the movie that made Michael Bay and Nicolas Cage action stars. Today we're going to The Rock. This is Scott's F Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today we are talking, uh, we're continuing our 12 Days of Cage. Uh, this there, this was going to be the wrap-up, but I finished a movie recently that I wanted to cover, so we get a bonus episode, so it's a baker's dozen Days of Cage. Uh, but today we're talking about 1996 The Rock, which was a massive hit for everybody involved. It is, uh, many people I think would argue it's the best movie of Michael Bay's career, and it was also the first movie that Nicolas Cage did after he won an Oscar and successfully kind of started his action movie, <laughs> his action movie run that he's kind of been on and off in for since then. So that's what's really interesting about it. So for those of you who haven't seen it, the premise is, it's actually kind of an interesting premise. The premise is that um, there is a disgruntled general who has seen basically the memories of his soldiers be dishonored. Um, you know, they weren't even given proper burials because of what they did behind enemy lines or because of what they did was off the record and they weren't given pensions. And so in order to acquire pensions for those families, he takes a tour group in um, Alcatraz hostage and then also aims a deadly gas warhead at the city of San Francisco. So Nicolas Cage plays a weapons ex expert who's brought in to kind of babysit and work with a, a former inmate at Alcatraz, the only man who ever escaped, who's, uh, his name's John Mason, who's played by Sean Connery, who is basically James Bond. Um, <laughs> and so basically their first attempt to go in goes completely wrong. The team they're working with goes, is, is murdered, but then... But then this two, this unlikely pairing has to work together to disarm all the warheads and get everybody out safely. And the, the thing about this movie that works, there's so many things about this movie that works so well. Um, it's a movie where Bay's frenetic style works really well because you need every single set piece to be just kind of in your face and broad. And it's not like the hand-to-hand -hand combat is very intricate or everything like that. It's just a, a lot of fun setups. So it's like, okay, we're going to have a minecart here. We're going to have a kind of explosive race through San Francisco as John Mason tries to escape initially. A bunch of a bunch of stuff like that. And so most of the fun here is primarily the character work between Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery, and then also, the, you know, this kind of odd couple pairing, and then also Ed Harris as the villain. And so I think a lot of people have said that Michael Bay's best movies tend to be when he has the actors who will hold him to account. And I think that's true, kinda, because he's had a lot of very acclaimed actors in other, like in the Transformers movies and stuff, like Anthony Hopkins and Francis McDormand. Like he's liked, all those people seem to like working with him. He, he seems to be an enjoyable fellow to work with. But I think when especially when you're doing, you know, a mostly, you know, grounded action style movie where you need to have, you know, all of the other 
weird stuff that you might add in there just kind of gets thrown out because the actors are going to portray it a very specific way. So <laughs> this was, I think a lot of people don't realize it was a big swing at the time because Sean Connery really wasn't like he was, he was still an established name, but he wasn't at, at the peak. He wasn't at, he hadn't quite had his late nineties resurgence yet. Uh, Nicholas Cage was known as that guy from indie movies and a, and a romantic lead. He wasn't known as an action star. So it was rough putting him there. And then Ed Harris was a perennial awards con- contender, but also not. So basically it was just a bunch of <laughs> it was a bunch of respected people that just managed to put together something that was also commercially and critically successful. And that's what works so well. And so Nicolas Cage's weird foibles as like being a guy who's completely at works really well because he's playing a character who's completely out of his depth minus the chemical compounds and Sean Connery in the meantime gets to be kind of a cursier sweary version of James Bond which seems to be right up his alley Um, he's literally introduced looking like a caveman which is very very fun and then Ed Harris's villain is completely understandable like you get the distinct impression you know his his motivation is rather pure all things considered despite what he's doing and then we're also shown that he doesn't actually intend to do it and it's only these loose cannons that are with him that he's he's unfortunately tied himself to that are the real pr- that will become the real problem by the film's end so yeah there's just a lot of great chaotic action and a lot of little beats and there's some just what i find most fascinating not just um the interplay between cage and Sean Connery, uh, especially because like Cage has moments where he's like tied up in a in a set, well he's he's trapped in a cell, and he keeps going over the line of the guy who captured him over and over. So he has a bunch of weird line reads, which are great. Like also why like he's getting a call in the middle of having sex with his fiance, um, bunch of stuff like that. But but yeah, but all of the inter- interplay works really, really well. But the thing I find fascinating is the influence this has had specifically on the Call of Duty f- video game franchise because, so like, it, scenes from this, like the shower shootout or the green smoke uh, scene where, you know, Cage is, like, holding these green flares to indicate all, it's an all-clear, all of that is something that, hit, like, it shows up in a bunch of Call of Duty games. In particular, I think Modern Warfare 2 was the one where most, or a lot of that happens. And it's just fascinating to me that that's where, you know, that, that's where people go from. Like, I'm kind of like, I feel like you could sue. I know it's homage, but it's kind of weird. But, yeah. And then with this made and being as successful as it was, it was no longer, um, it was no longer considered strange or weird for you know, the run that Nicolas Cage went on, where he then did Con Air and then did Face Off right after that. All of these kind of big concept, but also kind of like, you know, old school in many ways, action movies, where it's just kind of like big concept, big set pieces, but it's a lot of just simple punch, kick, shoot stuff. And it it all works. It all works. And in particular in this, because like I said, Cage is is a character who is... um, like he's like I said, he's out of his depth, and so the real appeal is watching him bond with Sean Connery, and they trade a lot of barbs, and there's a lot of uh, friendly banter, shall we say? And uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, I think it still holds up pretty well, all things considered. So that's all I have to say about uh, the Rock, at least for now, in the Twelve Days of Cage. And we've, as, like I said, we have one more bonus movie coming up, and then we've got the best ofs for the year. So. Hope you have enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening as always, and I'll catch you next time.
This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.